Episode 22, Where is our Moses? In Joshua 7 and 34, Moses is growing up and he's in his teen years. And even though he's in Pharaoh's house, his heart is with his people, the Israelites. Moses would daily go into Goshen, where he saw his people. There were shortness of breath. They were working hard, laborious work. And one day Moses was out there and he was, as he did every day, asked him, he says, okay, what are you guys doing? Who has you doing this labor day after day? And they responded and said, well, Pharaoh put this hard labor on us and the law is for us to do whatever he says. And these laws were given to us to abide by right before you were born. Moses is thinking like, what? They go on to tell him that they had to finish laying the bricks every day. And if one brick was out of place, they had to take one of their sons and put them in the place of the brick. Moses was listening to all these stories as to what the Hebrew Israelites were going through. And as the more he heard, the more he listened, he became more angry. They went on and told him about Bilaam the witch. They said, yes, Bilaam wanted to kill you, Moses, because you took the crown off of Pharaoh's head as a child and put it on your own head. And Bilaam was very afraid of you. Since he could not stop you, he could not kill you, he took his two sons and left and went to the land of Cush. At this time, Moses is a teen. He's a child. And as many times as we heard the story of Moses in the past, we never really knew the details leading up to when Moses was in Egypt and when he left. But we see now Moses grew up knowing who he was. He would go every day to check on his family. He would go every day. He loved his mother. He loved his father. And on the way back and forth, he would see the Israelites and all the laborious work they were doing, the hard labor, the strain and the stress and just how they were just working and could barely catch their breath. So he's a child. He's a teenager seeing all of this. He knew who he was. When we heard the stories before, we were thinking, or I assumed Moses was a much older man when he found out who he was. But clearly in Jasher, it tells us the details that he knew who he was from the jump. The Most High made sure Moses knew who his people were and that Moses knew who he was. The Israelites are now slaves in Goshen. And remember, Goshen was where they prospered with Joseph, how Joseph was exonerated from prison and was put over the entire land. He was the top prince. He was over the Egyptians and the Israelites. They prospered there. Well, they prospered there because of their obedience to the Most High. Now we have the Israelites in this place of disobedience, in some place of bondage and slavery, all because they chose to disobey the Most High and to have dealings with the Egyptians. Moses in Pharaoh's house, and Yah gave him favor in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. We think Instagram likes and TikTok likes is what makes us great, but imagine allowing Yah to give you favor in the eyes of your enemies, your coworkers, your family, the world, allowing Yah to make your name known. This is what Moses did. He would travel back and forth to see his family. He sees his people in distress. He's in a place where he has access to the king. So let's see what Moses does. In Jasher 70 and 40, Yah gave Moses favor in the eyes of all the people of Egypt as well. And they loved Moses exceedingly. So Moses goes out to Goshen again. He just can't take what he's seen with his people. He goes back to Pharaoh. He's a teen. He's, he's developing. He's seeing things, but he's very mature in the spirit as Yah is with him. He gets the courage and the strength to say, you know what? I need to go and talk to Pharaoh about what I'm seeing. And this is what he does. He goes to Pharaoh 
He abides by their customs. He bows before Pharaoh and he says, I pray you, Lord, I have a small request. Let the children of Goshen have one day of rest from their labor. Moses here is in Egypt. He's playing the game. He bows to the king, which is obeying authority. And he also calls him Lord, because this is what the names of Baal and the kings and their gods were called. They called them Lord. We learned in prior episodes that the name of Yah is not Lord, but he called the king by the name Lord, which signals to the king, I respect you and your authority. Moses is in a special place where he can actually advocate for his people. He's not concerned about becoming richer, not concerned about profiting off of his people like our people do today. But Moses wanted relief. He wanted change. He needed a turnaround for his people. The Israelites in America today have a $1.2 to $1.3 trillion buying power. Imagine redirecting our money and our resources to be a Moses, putting it together to pay off debt, student loans, credit cards, paying for houses in full for our single mothers and our single fathers and for married couples, establishing a business for everything we need, and we all support those businesses. Car dealerships, grocery stores, schools, doctors, etc. We all we got. And with 1.2 to 1.3 trillion dollars, we can do a lot with that. Somebody needs to arise and become a Moses and not worry about making themselves rich, but making us all whole. In Joshua 70 and 48, Moses rejoiced for what the king granted to him. And all the children of Israel or Israel did as Moses ordered. They had a day off. Finally, imagine if Moses kept quiet and just said, oh, you know what? I'm going to tweet about it. I'm going to write about it. I'm going to gossip about it. I'm going to talk about it. He didn't do any of that. He went directly to the person that could make a change. With him being in the king's house, he was able to go right to the person that can make a change for his people. And he made it happen. That's the kind of Moses we need now. We need a Moses to fight for our reparations. Like for real, for real. Where are you? We built this grand USA for free and it's time for a payback. And Joshua 70 and 49, this thing was from Yah to the children of Israel. Yah was remembering the children of Israel to save them for the sake of their fathers. And Yah would save us as well for the sake of Abraham, for the sake of Isaac and for the sake of Jacob. We've talked many times before, our covenant is everlasting, which means there's no expiration date on it. That's why when we cry out, not to the government, but we cry out to Yah, and we pray to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, not who they told us to pray to growing up, but we specifically cry out to our God because we're not sure what God they're serving, but we know our God. Our God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that's so important when we pray, who we're praying to. We have to be pacific. Our God will come to our rescue. He will rescue us, but we have to obey. And seeking him, he will give us the avenues and the ways for us to obtain our reparations, putting the right people in the right places to get what we need, not someone who has an agenda or motives to profit themselves. There is a Moses. It could be me, it could be you. We need you, whoever you are, to rise up and take your place. Y'all was with Moses. As his fame went throughout the land of Egypt or Mishterim, people loved him. He became great in the eyes of all the Egyptians and in the eyes of the children of Israel, seeking God for his people, speaking words of peace to the king about his people. 
whispering into his ear, not talking about them, not wanting to privatize and pay for prisons, but no, speaking to him saying, yes, those Israelite men are good men. They're strong. They're men of valor. We should treat them with respect, not try to imprison them as some of our rich people have done here in America, investing in prisons, keeping our men and women in shackles and bondage and slavery. Moses says, no, we're not going to do this. I'm going to find a way to get my people free. We need to repent and ask y'all to speak for us. He can turn the hearts of the presidents to us. He can turn the hearts of the people, the racist ones too, to us. Where is our Moses? Jasher 71 and 1. Moses is now 18 years old. He gets up and he heads to Goshen to see his father and his mother again. On the way, he sees people in hard labor and he is concerned about their burdens that they're carrying. He sees an Egyptian fighting and the Egyptian is actually beating the Hebrew. When the Hebrew man sees Moses, he runs to Moses and he says, hey, help me. You have to help me. And he said to him, my Lord, attend to me. This Mr. Rim came to my house in the night. He bound me. He came to my woman in my presence. And now he seeks to take away my life. Moses heard this wicked thing. His anger was kindled against this mysterium. And he turned this away and the other. And when he saw there was no man there, he smote the Egyptian or the mysterium and hit him in the sand and delivered the Hebrew from the hand of him that tried to kill him. And the Hebrew went home to his house and Moses returned to his home and went back to the king's house afterwards. Now we know why Moses killed this man, why he killed this Egyptian. The Egyptian was doing the same thing they were doing to our ancestors as slaves, bounding our men up, raping their wives in front of them. This is what the Egyptian was doing to this Hebrew man. And Moses had had enough. He says, not today, not on my watch. Today, you will go straight to Hades. The Egyptian was raping a Hebrew man's wife in front of him and then tried to kill him after the fact. Some say Moses had no right to kill this man, but many others said he had every right to kill him. Jasher 71 and 5. And when the Hebrew man returned home, he thought of leaving his wife. For it was not right in the house of Jacob for any man to come to his woman after she had been defiled. So the woman went and told her brothers, and the woman's brothers sought to slay him. And he fled to his house and escaped. On the second day, Moses went forth to his brethren and saw, and behold, two men were fussing. He said to the wicked one, Why do you smite your neighbor? And he answered and said unto him, Who has set you for prince and judge over us? Did you just now slay a man the other day, the Egyptian? Moses got afraid and said, Surely this thing is known? Moses is like, Wait a minute. Y'all know what I did? Moses is a little scared. He's wondering what's going to happen to him now since the word is on the street that he killed this Egyptian. Verse 9. And Pharaoh heard of this affair. Now it's gotten to Pharaoh. And he ordered Moses to be slain. So Yah sent his angel and appeared unto Pharaoh in the likeness of a captain of a guard. Isn't it amazing how Yah sent his angels down to do our bidding for us and to protect us? And the angel of Yah took the sword from the hand of the captain of the guard and took his head off with it. For the likeness of the captain of the guard was turned into the likeness of Moses. And the angel of Yah took hold of the right hand of Moses and brought him forth from Mishterim, or Egypt, and placed him outside the borders of Mishterim, a distance of about 40 days' journey. When Yah is for you, who can be against you? He will send his angels to work miracles, signs, and wonders on your behalf, just as he did with Moses. Yes, Moses killed this Egyptian, 
They're trying to kill Moses. Yah was not about to let anyone interrupt his plan. So he sent his angels down. Get down there, protect him, get him out of there. This is so amazing. Yah sends his angel down in the house of Pharaoh and Pharaoh thinks this angel is a captain of the guard. The captain of the guard is about to fight Moses, but it's not really Moses. He's fighting one of Pharaoh's men. Yah just takes the face of Pharaoh's men and puts Moses' face there. Pharaoh is thinking Moses is now being killed by the angel. But the angel appears to Pharaoh as if he's one of his captains of his army. And he's not. He's really an angel. So the angel is there looking like one of Pharaoh's men. Kills one of Pharaoh's men that has the face of Moses. It's not really Moses, but it's actually one of Pharaoh's men. So the angel actually killed one of Pharaoh's men and not Moses. Did you get that? Pretty wild, but so amazing. And then on top of that, Yah says, I'm gonna get you out of here. The angel takes Moses by his right hand and literally moves him from one place to the next. They said it was about 40 days journey. He picks him up and moves him outside of the borders of Egypt. Talking about an amazing God we serve, that even in our worst times, if we allow him to, he will come to our rescue and he will help us. But we have to let him. Signs and wonders will follow those who believe. Do you believe? I believe. Do it again, y'all. Do it again. We obey. We believe. But look what happens. Joshua 71 and 12. And Aaron, his brother, alone remained in the land of Mishraim, or Egypt. And he prophesied to the children of Yisrael, saying, Thus says Yah of your ancestors, Throw away each man the abominations of his eyes, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Mishraim. And the children of Israel rebelled and would not hearken unto Aaron. And Yah thought to destroy all of them. But he remembered the covenant he had with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In those days, the hand of Pharaoh continued to severely punish the children of Israel, crushed and oppressed them until the time when Yah sent forth his word and took notice of them. Aaron is here telling the people, this is what Yah says. You must obey. Mind you, Aaron is not a part of the slavery. Aaron is a Levite. They did not choose to do illing dealings with the Egyptians. He's coming back. He's hearing from the Most High. He says, this is what Yah says. And they refuse to obey. And this is why we're constantly in these places of bondage and hard work is because of our disobedience. They refuse to obey. And if it was not for, again, the everlasting covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yah would have destroyed those rebellious Israelites. And still today, if it was not for the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yah would destroy us today. We're here in this symbolic Egypt, and we're doing anything and everything we want. We're not obeying Yah. We're not listening to Yah. Everything that we do is seasoned with the symbolic Egypt. And Aaron is like, you guys put this stuff away from your eyes. What are you looking at? Pornography, the internet. What are you doing? Stop it. But they didn't listen to Aaron. They're like, whatever. I'm going to do what I want to do. The same way now. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's fine. That's your choice. But keep in mind, if you're in the state of disobedience, you're going to reap a harvest for that, just as the Israelites did here in Moses' time. The Israelites are in bondage, but they want to hold on to the idols of Egypt. What are you holding on to today? 
Is it alcohol, strip clubs, downloading, adultery, abandoning your children, GMO possessed and processed foods? We all have a vice from Egypt, but who is willing to let it go? Who's willing to listen to Aaron and let it all go? The everlasting covenant is why we cannot be destroyed, even through our disobedience over and over again. Even the people that are trying to destroy us, they can't and will never ever wipe us out completely because of the everlasting covenant. And Yah is a God of covenant. Moses is 18 and he's now in another land, in the land of Cush. Cush is another son of Ham. Ham had four boys, Cush, Mishram or Egypt, Put, and Canaan. In the land of Cush, there's a great war going on. The children of Cush are warring with the children of the east and Aram. The east sounds like maybe Japheth's people and Aram, as we know, is the son of Shem. Shem had five boys, Elam, Ashur. So remember, Ashur deflected from his people. His third son was Arpachshad, and Arpachshad is where the Hebrews, the Israelites came from, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then there's Lud and Aram. So Cush is at war with the children of the east and Aaron, one of the sons of Shem. They rebelled against Cush and Cush was like, nope, I'm not going to have it. We're going to war. King of Cush at that time was Kika Anus. And Kika Anus did not accept no for an answer. Jasher 72 and 2 through 6. So Kika Anus, king of Cush, went forth with all the children of Cush, a people numerous as the sand and went to fight against Aram and the children of the east to bring them under subjection, like you better obey. And when Kikanus went out, he left Bilaam, the magician, and his two sons. Here we go again. Remember, Bilaam was trying to kill Moses as a baby and Pharaoh said no, so they left. Moses is in the land of Cush and his nemesis is there, the sorcerer, the witch. And when Kikanus went out, he left Bilaam, the magician, with his two sons to guard the city and the lowest sort of the people of the land. So Kikianus went forth to Aram and the children of the east and fought against them and smote them. And they all fell down, wounded before Kikianus and his people. And he took many of them captives, and he brought them under subjection as at first. And he encamped upon their land to take tribute from them as usual. And Bilaam, the son of Beor, when the king of Cush had left him to guard the city and the poor of the city, he rose up and advised the people to rebel against King Kikianus and not to let him enter the city when they come back home. This dude is crazy. Balaam is now revolting against Kikianus and telling everyone that's left behind he's not getting back in. And guess what? The people followed Balaam, the witch, and his two sons. They actually made Balaam the new king and his two sons the captain of the army. They raised the walls of the city at the two corners and built a strong building. The third corner, they dug ditches without number between the city and the river that surrounded the entire land of Cush. On the fourth corner, they collected serpents by their incantations and enchantments, and they fortified the city, and no one went in or out. Kikanus and the army of Cush, they come back home ready to see their wives and their children, to you know, get sleep in their own beds and they cannot enter their own city. Bilaam, the sorcerer, took over their entire city and locked them completely out and refused to open the city by the order of Bilaam. So Cush fought on one side of the building. 
to get through, to get back into his city. But 130 men of Kikianus fell. They went to the other side. This side was the river and they tried to fight. They could not pass through and some sank in pits and died. They cut down trees to make rafts, to, to get the men to get on the rafts to get through the river. 200 men on the rafts still drowned. So the next day they said, let's try again. The next day they went to fight at the side by the serpents, but the serpents slew them. 170 men were killed. Kikianus and the army of Cush stopped fighting. They couldn't get in from one side to the other side. The way Balaam had set up the city, they could not get into their homes. Cush stopped fighting. Kikianus said there's nothing more to do. And for nine whole years, they could not enter their city or their home. Now Moses is here. He's 18 years of age. The angel of the Most High brings him to the land of Cush. His nemesis is there, Bilaam. Clearly, Kianus was not thinking. How could he leave a man such as Bilaam over his children, their wives, and the poor? And the poor had to follow along because they had no resources to say, no, I'm not going to follow after Bilaam. And so usually that's what happens. They go to those who are less fortunate and make them do what they want, which usually serves against the poor person's best interest. Moses is out here with Kikianus and the men of Cush. He's seeing them in their turmoil and he's trying to do whatever he can to bring counsel and wisdom to the people there. Kikianus and the men fell in love with Moses. They said he was great and worthy. His statue was like a noble lion, his face like the sun, strength like a lion, and a counselor to the king. This describes our men of Judah now, but I don't think they know it. This is our lineage, Moses and Yeshua HaMashiach, the lion of Judah. It's nine years. Moses is with the king of Cush Kikianus. They're grieved, they're upset. They have not seen their family in so many years. Kikianus' health begins to fail and he can't recover and he dies. All the men of Cush are concerned now because they're thinking the children of the east and Aram are coming back. They're gonna get us. We need to get another king. We need to let them know we have a king. And they all agreed to make Moses their king. And this is a new land for Moses. This is not his home, yet Yah elevates him as a king. Moses is now 27 years old and he becomes the king of Cush. Yah granted Moses favor and grace in the eyes of the children of Cush and they loved him exceedingly. Moses was favored by Yah and by men. Joshua 73 and six. For it is now nine years that we have been besieging around about this city and have not seen our children and our women so the king Moses answered them saying, if you will hearken to my voice and all that I shall command you, y'all will give the city into your hands and we shall subdue it. For if we fight with them as in the former battle, which we had with them before the death of Kikianus, many of us will fall down wounded as before. Behold, here is counsel for this matter. If you will hearken to my voice, then will the city be delivered into your hands. So all the forces answered Moses the king, saying, All that our Lord shall command, that will we do. And Moses said unto them, Pass through and proclaim a voice in the whole camp and to all the people, saying, Thus says the king, Go into the forest and bring with you one of the young ones of the stork, each man a young one in his hand. And when you shall bring them, they shall be in your keeping. You shall rear them until they grow up. You shall teach them to dart upon as the way of the young ones of the hawk. 
So the children of Cush heard the words of Moses, and they rose up and caused a proclamation to be issued throughout the entire camp, saying, All the children of Cush, the king's order is this, that you go all together to the forest and catch there the young storks, each man his young one in his hand, and you shall bring them home. And all the people did so. And they went out to the wood, they climbed the fir trees and caught each man a young one in his hand and all the young of the storks. And they brought them into the desert and reared them by order of the king. And they taught them to dart a bond similar to the young hawks. After the young storks were reared, the king ordered them to be hungered for three days and all the people did so. And on the third day, the king said unto them, strengthen yourselves and become strong men and put on each man his armor and gird on his sword upon him and ride each man his horse and take each young stork in his hand. And we will rise up and fight against the city at the place where the serpents are. And all the people did as the king ordered. And they took each man his young one in his hand and they went away. And they came to the place of the serpents, the king said to them, send forth each man his young stork upon the serpents. And they sent forth each man his young stork at the king's order. And the young storks ran upon the serpents, and they devoured them all and destroyed them out of their place. And when the king and the people had seen that all the serpents were destroyed in that place, all the people set out a great shout. And they approached and fought against the city and took it and subdued it. And they entered the city. And there died on that day 1,100 men of the people of the city, all that inhabited the city, but of the people besieging, not one died. So all the children of Cush went each to his home, his woman, his children, and all his belongings. And Balaam saw all this going on, he immediately ghosted. He took his brothers and his sons, he got out of there, and he ran back to Egypt. That's why we need a Moses. The current ways aren't working. We need someone that's gonna listen to y'all and follow his command. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, Yah had chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. Who would think to capture young storks, teach them to dart as a young hark, and not feed them for three days, and then send them on the serpents, and they consumed the serpents? You can't get this kind of wisdom only but from the Most High. He knows everything, and we must trust him and seek him for what we need. When the hand of Yah is on your life, expect the devil to do what he does best, to show up. Balaam showed up again where Moses was, but Moses was so in tune to Yah, he defeated him. He had to run away from him. Expect the hindrances and the agitation because you're called and you're the chosen people of the Most High. Be a Moses and stand on the word of Yah, allowing Yah to fight for you in the land of your captivity, in this land that's not our home. Yah would fight for us. Let him fight, obey, and do what he says. As we seek truth, please seek truth with us. Please send comments or questions to info at truthwars.com or comment here. We don't claim to know everything, but we seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that knows absolutely everything. Let truth war, let truth reign, let truth speak, and let truth set you free. Truth wars, truth reigns, truth speaks, truth sets me free. Please see a podcast disclaimer at truthwars.com.